this character was directly inspired by Kelly, our <laughs> Kelly. <laughs> She's actually holding us at knife point to do this. No! <laughs> Welcome to BYOB, the Bring Your Own Book podcast. I'm Nikki. I'm Tilly. And I'm Kelly. This week, we're talking about the YA thriller Allegedly by Tiffany D. Jackson, which was published in 2017. Just a heads up that this book deals with many difficult subjects, including psychological and physical abuse, graphic descriptions of attempted murder, infanticide, racially motivated violence, and PTSD. Here's the publisher's synopsis from Tilly. Mary B. Addison killed a baby. Allegedly. She didn't say much in that first interview with detectives, and the media filled in the only blanks that mattered. A white baby had died while under the care of a church-going black woman and her nine-year-old daughter. The public convicted Mary, and the jury made it official. But did she do it? She wouldn't say. Mary survived six years in baby jail before being dumped in a group home. The house isn't really home. No place where you fear for your own life can be considered a home. Home is Ted, who she meets on assignment at a nursing home. There wasn't a point to setting the record straight before, but now she's got Ted and their unborn child to think about. When the state threatens to take her baby, Mary must find the voice to fight her past. And her fate lies in the hands of the one person she distrusts the most, her mama. No one knows the real mama. But who really knows the real Mary? Ooh, oh my god dun, dun, dun. it's just like even the the synopsis for this is so good the it cover really up. yeah the cover is what grabbed me i was like oh what is this <laughs> yeah yeah oh my gosh okay kelly is now going to introduce the drink that we've chosen for this episode Yes, so the drink we've chosen to pair with this episode is a Christmas rum punch. And I know that sounds so way out there, but we chose it because the characters drink at a Christmas party at Mary's lawyer's house in the book. So we thought, since this is one of the few happy moments that takes place in the book, um, we thought, why not celebrate (laughs) that moment (laughs) by having this drink? So this drink is made with white rum, cherry juice, cranberry juice, simple syrup, allspice, ginger, nutmeg, and ginger ale. So, all right, here we go, ladies. Cheers. 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 Ooh. That is quite strong. strong. Oh yeah, that's strong. Holy moly! I don't know. Very, very um, very Christmassy though. Yeah, I don't know who's drinking this at the party. Mary is not of age, (laughs) so it's quite strong. (laughs) I think it was her lawyer and all the other adults were drinking the the rum punch, and Mary was having eggnog. Oh yes, of course. This is definitely. I suggested eggnog, but (laughs) Kelly hates it, and so does Nikki apparently. So I actually I don't like real eggnog, but I do like the um. I think it's like almond milk or something. Like it's fake eggnog in a blue bottle. Mm. And it's actually great. Oh. But I don't like real eggnog. I never have and I never will. <laughs> yeah. Something Fun fact. about drinking eggs is really unsettling. Right? When I think of Christmas, I think of eggs in a cup. Said no one ever. So. <laughs> <laughs> like Gaston drinking five dozen eggs <laughs> every morning to help him get strong. <laughs> 
I think it's large. <laughs> to help me get large. Oh, dang, you're right. And now I'm as uh, a big as a barge. A roughly the size well, you know, of, a, they, of a barge. Yeah. The, the listeners get get the idea. <laughs> Already way off topic. What was in this cup? Okay. <laughs> I know. It was strong, though. Okay, well, gird your loins, everybody. To help us get back on topic, <laughs> yes, <laughs> we are going to give our star ratings out of five. Like we say in every episode, we all have a different reason for our ratings, which we will explain when we say what they are. We do this purely because this is what we're putting our ratings as on Goodreads. And we're going to start with Tilly. Great. So uh, I was kind of conflicted on this book. I ended up giving it a three out of five stars. And in general, I really enjoyed the writer's style. I thought a lot of the um, the stylism and the choices in the writing were really strong. And I thought the dialogue and the characterization were also really strong. But I had a problem when it came to plot, as there were just so many inconsistencies for me in the timeline and kind of unnecessary plot twists, I felt. I do recognize that a lot of this has to do with like the first person perspective and kind of wondering, can we trust what the narrator is telling us and all that stuff? But I just don't think it was very successful all the time. Um, and also the ending <laughs> made me angry <laughs> because I felt it undermined a lot of the uh, messages that were kind of built into the story up until mm that point. So that's why I give it a three out of five, but I'm excited to talk about it because I think there's a lot of really kind of juicy stuff mm -hmm. there to dig into. Yeah, definitely. What about you, Kelly? So I gave this a four out of five. I read this a little bit ago and I remember just being so angry and also like flabbergasted almost by the ending. I was like, what, what, what? And I had to like tell somebody about it because we hadn't read this for the podcast yet, so I had to talk to my husband, and I was like, oh my god, you don't know what I just read, what I just went through, you know? <laughs> I <laughs> I found it was such an easy book to read. It was very fast-paced. Um, I found myself not wanting to put it down. I was always trying to figure out Mary's story and the case that was put against her, and I really didn't guess much, right? So, I mean, that's always points in my book if I can't guess what's happening or going to happen, um, and this was my <clears throat> first time reading a Tiffany D. Jackson book. It was actually her debut novel, but it's a few years old now. So she's had many more mm -hmm. books come out and I'm so excited to keep reading her or her work because I feel like this was a really good introduction to her. Yeah, I gave it a four to five. I really enjoyed it. There's definitely some things that we're going to talk about, but yeah, overall a wild ride. Awesome. <laughs> yeah, I gave this book a three out of five. And I really enjoyed it. I really liked all of the kind of, not mixed media isn't the right way to put it, but I really liked having all of the interview clips put in there and um, the different sections of like books that were written about the main character and all of that stuff. Um, I think for me, it was very similar to what Tilly was saying. I... I, while I really enjoyed the story, I didn't feel particularly strongly towards it, which I think is why I settled on a three, because even though at the end I was like, this was great, I wasn't like, mm -hmm. this is a new favorite or anything. Mm -hmm. I was just like, yeah, that was a good book. <laughs> and yeah. 
Well, and there were a lot of parts that were really, like, kind of difficult to read and, like, to kind of process, so that makes sense. It's not, like, an Insta-favorite. I don't think it's a sort of book that you can, like, Mm reread a lot, or at least I don't think I could, because it was, like Kelly was saying, maybe, like, so angry Mm -hmm. a lot of the time and so, like, Mm -hmm. upset and baffled. Mm -hmm. And those are all, like, important feelings to get from a book, but they're not ones that I want to, like, relive all the time. Right. I would be interested to read it again now that I've read it and know the ending, I would like to go through and, like, try to annotate certain things to, like, like make my own little folder, like, file on her to figure out, like, okay, what's going on here, what's going on there, and just, like, yeah, like, just because there were so many different parts in this that I, yeah, I couldn't keep track of everything, so it would be interesting to go through it now that I know the whole story and be like, okay, here's this, here's that, you know? But yeah, I I can't reread this like all the time because it was a lot. I didn't read the book, actually. I listened to the audio book, which was narrated by Bonnie Turpin, who also narrated Children of Blood and Bone, which (laughs) I did not like the book, but I loved the narration. And this, it is a great way to consume this book. It was amazing. She does such distinct voices and accents for every single character. It was so clear who was talking all the time. It was very distinctive between when she was having an inner thought and when she was actually talking to people, because that happens quite often. She'll answer in her head, and then she'll answer aloud something different. Um, but yeah, that... it. I think that that elevated the book for me a lot. And I think if I would have just read it, maybe okay. I wouldn't have felt as strongly cool. about the content. What do we think about the characters and how they were written? <sighs> oh my gosh. I Okay, so here's my thing. I thought the character of Mary was really well written. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of the other characters felt like um, just a name and a descriptor and no nothing else. Like, they felt kind of two-dimensional. Right. And I think, um, before we started recording, Kelly, you were talking about how you had trouble kind of remembering some of the names. And I think that's part of it, is that um, a lot of the side characters were very peripheral to Mary's story. Mm-hmm. And they weren't fleshed out at all. Which is okay, I think, because the main thing is about Mary. Like, every person in the story is related to her in some way. Not, not fit, like, not, like yeah. family-related, but, like is involved with her life in some way. So I think it makes sense that they're not all, uh, like, as three-dimensional as she is, but it did make it feel kind of uneven in Mm. that way. Yeah, Yeah. I I agree with you, because I feel like the reason, maybe, I mean, I'm not Tiffany D. Jackson, (laughs) maybe she'll let us know (laughs) one day, probably not, but hey. (laughs) Maybe it's like that because... This is told through Mary, essentially, right? And she didn't really have strong relationships with the girls in her group home. So maybe it was kind of left like that on purpose to be like, okay, there's their name, brief description, and here's what they said to me. You know, like, I don't know. Mm -hmm. Because while I agree with you that they weren't as fully fleshed out as Mary was, I still felt, like, all the anger and fear and everything, like, when shit was going down in the house, I was like, Mm -hmm. oh, my God. So I thought it was still written well, but it just, like, 
I only remember like maybe one person from the house, you know, the new girl, which we'll get into (laughs) more about her. And also one of the girls was named Kelly. And I was like, "Uh oh, (laughs) yeah, Yeah, she was not uh, nice. Mm. Yeah. (laughs) This was not me. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Obviously they're fictional. (laughs) But yeah, (laughs) this character was directly inspired by Kelly, our Kelly. <laughs> She's actually holding us at knife point to do this. No! <laughs> Clearly. We're in different, We're in different rooms. <laughs> yeah. No. Oh my gosh. But yeah, I agree. I think that it does make sense that it could be a plot device mm-hmm. for the story, depending on how you look at it, especially the end of the book, you get a whole new perspective in the last like page and a half on everything that's happened. But it did bother me a little bit, especially because I, I was listening to it that I wasn't, um, I wasn't immersed in it the same way as if you were reading a book. And so it was like, Oh, the the therapist came, the dumb white lady, and that was basically <laughs> her only signifier throughout yep. the whole thing. And then there was um, Miss Stein and Miss Reba, the two um, mm-hmm. group home women who were like just described as being like gross and yeah. like. And I was like, okay, that's okay, but yeah. I think even though it was used possibly as a plot device i still would have appreciated more from that to help Mm -hmm. connect yeah i kept feeling myself having trouble um like imagining what things look like too Mm -hmm. and that to me is kind of another like again i think you're totally right that it could be like a plot device because it's all told from mary's point of view but yeah it, it just made it hard to imagine um, what things looked like and I'm very visual so I needed that <laughs> yeah no I think that's fair because yeah like I couldn't tell you much about most of the people in here just that they were most of them were nasty you know and yeah, yeah. god so nasty needed so a hug awful. needed some attention like good attention you know like care tender loving care and uh yeah some of them needed a uh you know, a strong word or something, but some of them need a hug, okay? <laughs> One single strong word. Yes. <laughs> Starts with a strength. F. No. <laughs> strength. <laughs> no. Yeah, I found, like, with with that also, the pacing of the book didn't really do it for me. Mm. There were just, like, weird things with, like, I felt like some things dragged on way too long, and I was like, okay, can we, like, get going here? The book isn't mm-hmm. that long. Where are we going with this? Mm-hmm. And some of the things that got wrapped up at the end or things that were things were revealed that I felt like were a big deal. And they would be a big deal for, like, a second. And then it was like, oh, that's that's fine. Whatever. We're just moving on from this little this little tidbit of information. And I was like, I don't think that that's okay. (laughs) Yeah. So I think that kind of bothered me a little bit throughout. Mm. Yeah. The pacing for me was a bit, um, 
uneven as well. And I think part of it had to do with the way that the um, the narrative was kind of broken up. So most of the narrative felt very like stream of consciousness from Mary, yeah. which I enjoy. I really love like stream of consciousness, like Virginia Woolf kind of styles of uh, books. I'm really I'm really interested in that. But then when it was broken up with all these other tidbits about her life and about like the crime and the interviews and the police detective work and all that stuff, which was also really great, but it just kind of like interrupted the flow mm. every time that happened. And then I kind of had to be like, okay, right, what's happening? Where where are we in the timeline? Like I felt it was almost jumping around like a little bit too much, so that I almost had trouble keeping track of where in the story we were especially because mary tended to flashbacks to her past so often and like her childhood so i sometimes had to like read back a couple pages and be like wait a minute where am i (laughs) what's happening um which i don't think is necessarily a bad thing but i did kind of clock for me as like just a little uneven so i i want to talk about the the mystery or like the the whole plot (laughs) <laughs> but you can't really talk about it without giving some yeah. major major things away. Are we done with first impressions? We're ready to Yeah, I think so. Move on to I some think. book recommendations. Yes, mm-hmm. I think so. I will say for me, I do not have a book recommendation for this because I felt like the plot was so heavy that things that were coming to mind were really superficially related and didn't mm. didn't feel like they were in the same realm as this. Mm. So I'm not going to give a book recommendation for this one, but you ladies feel free to <laughs> drop some good, good ones. I don't know. Sure. This is like a poop joke. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like Tilly and I are going to be somewhere on the same wavelength here with our recommendations. <laughs> okay. Why but, don't you go first then? <laughs> okay. Cause I had two in mind, but I was like, you might be saying, the other one that I didn't say to you. So <laughs> I'll start. So oh my God, okay. <laughs> yeah, I, you know what I'm going to say. So, okay. If if Tilly has not changed her mind, I believe she's going to be recommending something very similar to what I'm going to recommend. Um, I'm going to recommend a play, not a novel. And because similar to what you just said, Nikki, like I was trying to think of a book that I had read that was very similar to this in tone and themes and not just like, you know, some little happenstance or whatever, you know, like something more substantial. <laughs> and the thing that came to mind was John Peel Meyer's play, Agnes of God. And I was in that play, Tilly directed that play, Nikki did the lighting design for that play. <laughs> it's the play that brought us all together. Yes, it really which is. It, it sounds so bizarre to be um, recommending that. But honestly, that's the whole vibe I was getting from the synopsis. And then when I read the book, I was like, Oh my God. So I played Agnes and Agnes of God, just to quickly give you some info is about a postulant nun who has been accused of killing a baby and not just any baby, but her own baby. So a, why is a postulant nun, which is like a nun in training. So like picture Maria von Trapp from sound of music. Okay. Why does she have a baby? And why is this baby dead? And what happened? Who's the father? What's going on? How did this happen in the first place? So the whole play follows her and her psychiatrist and the mother superior who is like really her mother figure because she's been there since she was a little kid. And the whole play is done through sessions with the psychologist and flashbacks with her and mother superior. And it's very dark. 
infanticide, lots of mental health issues um, in the play. This The play doesn't have any um, specified characters who are black, because you could still have black actors, but it, they, they don't have the racial elements in the play like this book does. But I felt like this was a very, very similar story to Allegedly. So I think if you enjoyed this book and you want to try reading a play, Agnes of God by John Peelmeyer is a really good one. If you want to pick it up. Great. Thank you. I read a play last year, which I also thought about a lot as I was reading this book. So um, I'm recommending the play Guarded Girls by Charlotte Corbet Coleman. Mm. Uh, I found myself thinking of it a lot while reading this book. It's about uh, three imprisoned women of various ages and their guard, and their lives kind of all intertwine throughout the story. Um, the writing is very circular and poetic, which I found kind of paralleled allegedly as well. Um, and there are kind of differing narratives and perspectives, just like there are in this book. So it's a really excellent play that deals with a lot of the same themes, like bodily autonomy and kind of the failings of the judicial system. And I would encourage you to check it out if those are things you're interested in reading about. Cool. I have not heard of that one, so I will check no, it out. No, I haven't It was really good. <laughs> cool. Okay, so that takes us into spoilers territory. So if you like what you've heard so far, which is a really weird thing to say when you talk about this book, <laughs> then, and you haven't read the book, you should go read it, and then you should come back. Or if you want to keep listening, by all means, do whatever you want. It's free country. So <laughs> we're going to start off with a quick recap of the book. As we know from the synopsis, the book follows Mary B. Addison, a black teenager who was accused of killing a white baby, Alyssa Richardson, six years ago. Though the case made a sensation in the media, the story is told from her point of view as she navigates living in a group home with other teenage girls with criminal records. There are also fictional excerpts sprinkled in from newspaper articles, police interviews, and books written about the murder. When Mary was questioned about the murder of three-month-old Alyssa Richardson, she famously didn't say anything about who committed the murder, and she remained similarly closed-mouthed in the narration for much of the book, though we get the sense that she feels she was wrongly accused. She is clearly intelligent and aspires to taking the SATs to enter college, even in her complicated circumstances. Mary has difficult relationships with nearly everyone in her life, including her housemates, parole officer, and her own mother. Daily life at the group home involves violent bullying from other girls, as well as from lazy supervisors. Mary's mother visits every other week like clockwork, but Mary knows her cheery optimism and doting affection are just for show. The one person she trusts is her secret boyfriend, Ted, who also lives in a group home and is mandated to serve as a candy striper in the same nursing home. Aside from Ted, though, Mary's life is a miserable routine with no way out. Everything changes for Mary when she finds out that she's pregnant with Ted's child, and she learns that as a minor and a ward of the state, her baby will be taken from her. She loves Ted and her unborn child, and she dreams of starting a new life together. She feels she must fight for the baby, and with encouragement from the new girl at the group home, she finds a new lawyer and begins opening up her case again. Throughout the story, there are many flashbacks to Mary's abusive childhood. Her mama was mentally ill and psychologically abusive in many ways, even going so far as to beat Mary to placate her cruel stepfather, Ray. Mama and Ray arranged for Mary to be on ADHD medication with barely any diagnosis, and we also learned that she had a younger brother, Junior, who died in his sleep under Mary's care. 
Not doing so great there, Mary. Uh-oh. <laughs> Mary's new lawyer, Cora Fisher, takes a special interest in the case as she studied it in law school. She's kind to Mary and aggressive in moving the case forward. Mary tells her that her mama killed Alyssa, stuffing pills in her mouth and performing some sort of religious ceremony, and that she forced Mary to take the blame for it, as they would go easier on kids. There are many roadblocks along the way in appealing Mary's case, including increased tension and violence in the group home, a lack of cooperation from Mary's group home supervisors, new accusations from Mary's mother, and Mary's own reluctance to give Cora all the details surrounding the night of the murder. Meanwhile, Mary learns that Ted was not entirely honest with her and that he's been working in the sex trade to keep a roof over his head. While he claims that it means nothing to him and that he's doing it to support the baby, Mary is heartbroken at the betrayal. In the end, Mary realizes she'll never be able to send Mama to jail, regardless of the evidence, and tells Cora to drop the case. Her new friend, new girl, at the group home, turns out to be murderous and unstable, and pushes Mary down the stairs at the threat of Mary leaving her to be transferred to a halfway house upstate. With serious injuries, but with her baby miraculously unharmed, Mary is transferred upstate, and reflects that she may not yet be able to take care of her baby on her own. She also reveals that she was lying all along. She did kill Alyssa Richardson by stuffing her pills down her mouth to make her stop crying. She also shows no remorse, explaining that no one would be mad at her since the baby was being bad. She knows that most of the officials involved in her case are now convinced she is innocent, and she revels in being a good liar. And boy, was she ever! Oh, <sighs> I was so God. angry when I read that. I wanted to, like, throw my Kobo <sighs> across the room. I was also really angry. I think, just like you said, Tilly, it really undermined a lot of the things that happened throughout the novel. I think that there would have, mm. there are ways that it could have been written that would have been as effective and not made the ending seem like a deception almost. Mm. I felt like I was, I read one story and then at the end she was like, just kidding. You're an I, idiot. Here's the yeah. real story. Yeah. That's yeah. how I felt too. Really? I felt like but not idiot. in a good way. No. Because yeah. usually I love stuff like that, but this one just made me feel kind of pissed. See, I had the opposite. So, I mean, I was still like, oh my God, I can't believe this whole time she did it. Like, I felt like she betrayed me because I was sympathetic to her and I was, you know, but at the same time, you know, everything that happens to her in the book, even though she killed a baby, I'm not saying that that's, you know, not, uh, I'm not saying that's like, you know, nothing, but, like, everything that happens to her, I still feel really bad about it. So, I, even though it's, like, after all this time, she still did it, I think the point is, like, she was a kid, and she needed help, and she didn't get that help. And maybe if things had been better for her, if she wasn't stuck in this system, she wouldn't have been, you know, maybe she wouldn't have killed the baby, and maybe she wouldn't have had the rest of her life unfold the way it has so far. So even though I was mad, I wasn't mad. I I wasn't mad about the ending of like why the author chose that because I, I still really liked the ending. I think it was just mm. like, like I need to go back now and be like, oh my God, ha did I miss the signs? You know, like did I miss? Because she had me. 
She had mm-hmm. me hook, line, sinker. There were a lot of signs. Like, the more I thought about it, the more I'm like, no, it makes sense that she was kind of a psychopath all along. Like, there was those moments where she kind of blacked out and someone killed the, the supervisor's cat and it was never revealed who that was. <gasps> and there was just, do like, a lot of... she did that? Yeah, I do think she did that. I thought um, it was the new girl. Or oh, it might have been girl. the new girl. Or Kelly, was it me? Was it Kelly? <laughs> there was just... I yeah. I, I just feel like the twist ending, like, opened up more questions mm-hmm. than it answered, and that makes me angry <laughs> as a reader. <laughs> for, for me, too, in in more of, like, a real-world, um, like, thought process, it made me a little upset, too, at the thought of... Um, I guess because she did choose to portray her, she obviously has a mental illness. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I think about in in real in the real world, accidents happen. You know, that could have been a real nine year old, and something happened, and a baby died, and that nine year old is now being treated like an adult. Mm-hmm. And going to prison and the rest of their life is ruined because of a mistake. Yeah. So I think that for me, in the end, that was the thing that made me kind of the most angry about the ending. Because I felt like it was perpetuating mm-hmm. this kind of like, I, d- I don't know how to say it other than like, you know, there's like the conservatives who were like, if something bad happens, they deserve to be like punished every time, no matter what. And that is what that kind of was telling me at the end. And I was like, I don't agree with that because I think that if this was the real world and that happened and whether she did it or not, whether if the kid said I did this thing or didn't say anything and it was assumed that a child made this horrific accident that would not be the course of action that was taken with them. Mm-hmm. So I think that for me, that was something and is something that is still really hard for me to let go when I think about the ending of this book. Yeah. Because it just makes me feel gross and like awful. Yeah. There was a, a review of the book online. And we should say too, that this is a controversial ending. Like there are about split down the mm-hmm. middle on Goodreads. Right. Like, half the people really loved the ending, half people really hated the ending. Mm-hmm. Um, and I saw a Goodreads review, and I don't know, I didn't do my research, so I don't know if this is true, but kind of talking about some of the plot holes and about, like, how the likelihood of a nine-year-old being incarcerated rather than sent to a long-term psychiatric facility is, like, almost non-existent. And also, like, with the her age and the significant amount of media attention that she got, there was no way that the character would have known, like, been unaware that she could appeal. And so there were, like, some kind of, like, I agree with you too, Nikki, like almost like some little like plot holes. I'm like, how could this have happened? But I guess that is also kind of the failings of the justice system where these things do happen. And I think there was a really powerful quote in the book from, I think it was one of the excerpts um, about how if she had been white, if Mary had been white, or if Alyssa Richardson, the baby had been black, Mm -hmm. then this whole situation would have been different because there's all these like preconceived stereotypes and kind of like this righteous rage that people get when it's um, like a white baby that's been killed. So there's just like so much complexity happening around this story. Yeah, And I think it's also important to say that we live in Canada. And while we do know about things that are going on in the States, we do live in a very different um, like judicial society than they do in America. 
Mm-hmm. And there is still a lot of racism here, but the way that we do things in Canada is very different than how they do things in the United States. Mm-hmm. So we are speaking from like our own personal background as white people, as Canadians, and we're just we do not have the background knowledge to say for sure this is how it is. So yeah, just right. everybody with a grain of salt. Disclaimer. Yeah. Take yes. our, take yeah. our, these are just our thoughts about a fictional book. Yeah. We are not <laughs> so, lawyers. No. <laughs> we are not lawyers. We are all book no, lovers. But, but this yeah. is like just because yeah. we all, it's something that you, you can't really not have strong feelings about. Yeah, if you don't have a strong feeling, I'm like, what's wrong? Like, mm-hmm. you just don't care about people, I guess? Cool. Um, <laughs> because, yeah, I what I was going to say this whole time is, like, even though it's, like, maybe it's not believable at times or whatever, or, like, how could this happen? My whole thing going into it was, like, okay, it's because she's black and it's a white baby, you know? Because, yeah, like, <laughs> I don't think we need to give examples, you know, of, like, how many times this kind of stuff has happened. Um, however, I do want to say if anyone is to blame, it's freaking mama. Okay. It is Mary's mother who she also needed some help and she did not get the help that she needed, but she like throughout the whole book, I was so angry at her. I was so angry and I was so upset for Mary because you could tell she still loved her. And, like, cared about what she thought about her at some points in the book. And then other times she did not. Yeah, like, craved her validation. Yeah, because that's her mom, right? So the fact that she still calls her mama, you know? I mean, Mm -hmm. first of all, it tells you right there that she is still very young at heart or mentally. Um, Because, like, I don't call my mom mama all the time. (laughs) All the time. I mean, I call her mom, you know? Like, I don't refer to her as mama or whatever, right? Especially to other people. It's also, she does say that her mother was like from the south though and that's a very common thing you call your mom mama or like ma and stuff like that mommy yeah adults still mother dearest (laughs) yeah so i i do agree that she was young but i think Mm -hmm. that that was more of like a uh cultural thing yeah cultural thing than than an age thing yeah yeah, you're probably right. Cause, yeah. But yeah, that mom, I swear to God, I, whenever she came to visit, I was like ready. I was like, okay, now what are you going to do? What are you not going to do? You know, just the, like, she was just an ostrich, head in the sand, did not want to deal with anything. 15 mm-hmm. minutes tops. Oh, mm-hmm. I couldn't. Yeah. And, and while I was reading through, I mean, the first kind of glimpse that we get into Mary's attitude towards her mother is her talking about like i know she's fake like no one knows what a manipulator she is and now with that insight about the end Mm -hmm. and about how like mary's actually the manipulator i do question some of that like setup that we got for mama Mm -hmm. doesn't obviously um undermine any of the things that she did throughout the novel but i kept thinking about um do you guys know that like the gypsy rose story in the munchausen by proxy yeah that's what i kept getting from this relationship because and it was kind of solidified with the like um the mom was a neonatal nurse but she didn't have any certifications and Mm -hmm. then she kind of like put her daughter on medication without any explanation of why and she didn't have her birth certificate and there were just like all these sketchy things that were happening that i was like is she going through munchausen by proxy what's going on here is she having Mm -hmm. like 
Right. Yeah. Anyway, it was very, very uncomfortable to read, and it made me angry a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, there were, I mean, a lot of things. I think, I don't know what I think. <laughs> this book just makes me sick, <laughs> honestly. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> it, there's just, like, there's so, there's so much, and you, it's really hard to talk about because it's in first person, so yeah. those scenes with her mother, is is that really what's happening or is that just what she's perceiving to happen? Right. How much of a blame does her mother really, how much of a blame can you put on her mother? There's obviously, she has a lot of mental health issues that she hasn't been getting proper care with. And I mean, you, we all know it. If you're in a situation like that, it's really hard to come out of it. Mm-hmm. I imagine it'd be even harder if you don't have the support of a community and um, you're a single a parent. Yeah. Yeah. So when I look back on all of that, knowing that the whole time Mary B. Addison was a huge fucking liar and crazy <laughs> pants, then I'm just like, I don't know what what was real Mm-hmm. in yeah. the book anymore so i don't even know how to like talk about anything and be like this is what it was because i don't know <laughs> yeah yeah truly the definition of an unreliable narrator yeah just yeah. like all over the place i yeah. mean really starting to question everything that was in in the book at all who knows i have to say though like this is gonna sound so bad but <laughs> uh-oh <laughs> throughout the book they kept saying or like I think they kept, like, calling her or referring to Mary as being dumb or, like, like some people were, right? And then certain doctors were like, no, she's not. Like, she's very intelligent. Like, I don't think she needs to be on this medication, like, all this stuff. And she would just kind of, like, quietly go about her day and wasn't very talkative. And then at the end when the twist came, I was like, oh, my God, this girl, she has been, you know, biding her time playing the ch- the game of chess you know and even though the ending is still like wow she did a lot of harm you know and i still feel sympathetic to her my reader brain is going wow you know look at that like she played that game of chess so well. <laughs> that's what i mean it's but gonna I sound just, bad but i was like the, wow <laughs> the thing that confuses me with that though is i'm like did she play it so well because you think she would have just told them her mom did it and then she could leave and have her baby and do all of her life things. But still, she's still trapped. Mm-hmm. People are going to still suspect her forever of being the one who killed Alyssa. And I'm just like, what did she really gain from doing all of this? I don't know. <laughs> she had to get the necklace. That's why, isn't it? That's why she didn't say anything, because she needed, like, the physical evidence to be, like, here's that but I thought that she, I thought that she does have it. She, she said, I'll it. give it to you if, but she could have said, like, she could have said mm. to the police, I know where this is buried. I buried it. Yeah. Or, you know, like, there. Yeah. I just, that was missing for me. A little bit with having editors and everything and all of the people that this book had to go through to get out onto the shelf. I'm really surprised 
at all of the kind of plot holes that were there and that they weren't a little bit more careful and attuned to tying up those little things at the end. I don't think every question always needs to be answered, but there were definitely certain things here where I was just left with a big, like, unnecessary WTF. Mm-hmm. Like the cat. That was like a one moment and then everybody forgot about the cat. And I was like, okay, but even I forgot about the cat. So I, yeah, I you know, know how they say that everything is in a movie or a book, like for a reason, like there's always yeah. a reason for every little thing. And this, I was like, is there always a reason? I don't no. know. I don't think there was for that. I think it was shock I value. Mm. I don't know. I, I was definitely shocked when that happened. I was like, oh, my God, because even though I hated those two women who ran the house home or the house home, wow, the group home, <laughs> house home, <laughs> home in the house. Uh, I know, I'm like, what do you call them? Were they like house mothers? Aren't they were like, they foster mothers? I like, thought they were, were like they? foster people, but not really because they're still wards of the state. Yeah, this is another question I have, Tiffany. What is their role? Are they guardians? So they... Employment records. <laughs> I, I mean, I have not been in a group home, but I used to watch this show called The Fosters and Rosie O'Donnell was on it. And <gasps> she her. played the like house mother for the group home. And from what I got from that is they lead activities. Um, there is somebody for these girls to talk to and basically act as their guardian and help teach them skills that they should know for when they leave and go into the real world things like Mm. cooking cleaning um being responsible with time management getting tasks done and all of those kind of things so they're essentially supposed to be acting as their um kind of like mothers through their time at the at the facility well, then they were even worse at their job yeah. than I thought they were. They were terrible. <laughs> they were the worst. I mean, I still wish their cat hadn't been killed because that was truly horrific. That was upsetting. Yes. Yeah. yeah. But, like, I honestly, I don't remember what happened around that moment because I swore that was Kelly or the new girl. I didn't think that was Mary. So now I'm like, wait a sec. Who did it? But we didn't think Mary killed Ad. I don't know if I was going to say Addison. <laughs> Alyssa the whole time. That's true. So. Yeah, it was just never explained. And mm-hmm. yeah, it was um, just, uh, yeah, I mean, okay, I'm still parsing out what bothered me about the ending. And I think I yeah. figured it out. So I think what it is, this is something that takes me out of a reading experience when I feel like I can see the author's intention rather mm-hmm. than experiencing it, like rather than receiving the message, right. I can see what the author is meaning to do here. And I, I it didn't feel like true to the setup. So it made me think of someone like kind of pitching this story. Like, okay, so what if there's this young girl who everyone believes committed this crime and then we convince the reader that she didn't and then at the end, pff, turns she out she did. did. <laughs> yeah, and that's what I was like thinking about at the end. I was like, are you kidding me? Like I can just see some like network executive pitching this and the CW being like, we'll take it, you know? And that's like what bothers me about it because yeah. I want to just be along for the ride and have it feel like woof because it's true not because it's shocking and you know what that reminds me of and this they did it excellently and this one have either of you seen us the movie yes 
Tilly probably hasn't because it's kind of scary. It's it's um, oh the Jordan Peele one. Yes. No, no. Okay. Are you going to watch it or can I ruin it? Probably not because I'm scared. Okay. If you if people listening have not seen us, please just skip ahead a little bit because oh my god but at the end of us he does the same thing where the entire movie you believe that there's like this alternate world of sorts kind of like an upstairs downstairs but not i'm terribly i'm describing this terribly but anyways just to get it's to the like point. the each person has another person like yes. they're they're double like their shadow i think they call them yeah so and like they live underground in these like kind of tunnels it looks like honestly like a high school gymnasium yes (laughs) and they do anyways that's besides the point but anyways so the main character played by lupita nyong'o the whole time you think her shadow the evil one with um the creepy voice because she has a speech impediment uh i forget what it's called but anyways she sounds like she's very raspy throaty it is very creepy sounding, I have to say. Sorry. But at the end, you find out that the creepy one was actually the real Lupita Nyong'o. And the shadow has taken over from a while ago and has been living her life as if she were the real Lupita Nyong'o. And so this whole time you think that sh- the the shadow one is the villain. And it's not. It's the one you've been with the whole time sympathizing with. And it was like... <gasps> Like, so creepy and well done. So I think that's what she was trying to go for here. And it didn't work as well, is what I'm hearing. <laughs> yeah, and, and yeah, I don't know. It's so subjective, right? Because, yeah. I mean, I could maybe read this book uh, 10 years from now and be like, wow, it was so well executed. Um, so who who knows? I do think that movies are kind of like a less lesser time commitment. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. I felt like I'd spent so long in this world and like rooting for this character and mm-hmm. feeling all of her pain. And then all of a sudden I was like, oh, she's a sociopath. Well, yeah. <laughs> and a murderer and a, and a compulsive liar. Yeah. I don't know what to do with myself now. That's like, so you were just feeling fake pain because she didn't really actually care. <laughs> yeah. About yeah, anything that was happening. I need to talk about Ted for a little bit. Oh, okay? yeah. Oh, Ted. I feel bad I, for Ted. I feel sad for Ted. I have a I lot just, of feelings. Yeah. I wanted, like, that That love between them, I did feel was real. Yes. Mm-hmm. And I... Well, for him. For... <laughs> well, well I think might for her, been, too. Yeah. I think for her, too. Yeah. T- just having that... Um, like brightness and like someone who understands me is what she keeps saying. Mm-hmm. Obviously he did not. So maybe she's delusional there as well. Um, but it was a lovely um, part of the book to like break up all the difficult stuff mm-hmm. until it was also difficult that I was, I did upset again. And I don't know. Yeah. It right. felt very Romeo and Juliet. Like we can't be together, but we're going to find a way, you know, because they were separated in their group homes, their relationship was a secret but then you find out what Ted did. And I was like, what? Yeah, that was really upsetting. Right, yes. I forgot about that. Ooh. Yeah, because I loved him. And, like, I just thought, like, oh, wow, look at this this sweet guy. You know, he's really caring to her. And obviously things happen that sometimes are beyond your control. But then how he was, what he did, I was like, oh, my God. Because wasn't he, like, part of a gang rape situation? Yeah, he when held he was a, 14. Yeah. He held the girl down for his uh, oh. buddies. 
So that yeah. was definitely a choice situation, Ugh, yeah. I believe. It's I think it's hard. So hard. I mean, yeah. I'm I'm going to say it again, we're all white girls. Yeah. And we don't have to make decisions that affect our lives as much as the characters in this book had to. Yeah. When I listened to that section, I didn't necessarily feel like for him it was really a choice situation. I think when you surround yourself with people who are doing bad things that are older than you and have um, a certain authority over you, uh, they can get you to do almost anything, especially mm-hmm. when you're only 14 true. years old. Yeah. So for me, oh, that's right. He was so young. Yeah. Like for me, yeah. that I just mostly felt really upset and bad for him in that situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He held this poor girl down, and he. I'm pretty sure that he said that he was like scared, and he felt really bad, and he didn't want to, but he didn't know what else to do, and he didn't physically assault her other than that Mm -hmm. which doesn't make it okay but at the same time what what was he to do if he left would they have killed him would they have beat the shit out of him and left him in an alley somewhere Mm -hmm. what like there it was a choice but what it was a choice of many bad choices yeah that's so true yeah so i don't know yeah yeah like i was angered and saddened by it but not to the point where i was like okay well you've lost me ted like i still really cared about him but it was just such a (sighs) like that's just so hard like i can't imagine someone telling me that and like i know the person and especially you're in a relationship with that person like that it's a lot to take in and be like what do i do with this you know and I also think it's kind of <laughs> like, okay, pot meet the kettle, Mary, because she was kind of taken aback, wasn't she, when she heard? But I'm like, yeah, okay, well, look like, what oh you did. Oh my goodness. And I'm like, she should have really been like, oh, that's not so bad. I killed a baby. Yeah. Well, that is kind of what she ended up on, though, I think, is that she was originally like, wow, that's awful. Then she was like thinking about it more. And she was like, you know what? I can live with that. What yeah. I can't live with is him having sex with some other person. Yeah. To right. later support in the book. us. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. God. And that was that was another, another part with Ted where I was like, you know, I just feel bad for you. I'm yeah. not even mad about yeah. it because no. what are you going to do? You need money. You have a baby coming. You have been handed all of these other awful choices in life. Nothing has Mm -hmm. been helping you get out. And when you feel that hopeless and helpless, what else, what else you're going to do? You're going to do whatever you can to get to where you need to be. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And he tried to leave with her so many times in this book. Like he, like Ted was really there for her. I got to say he was, I I did, I did believe in him a lot and I, I felt that he was so genuine and so caring towards Mary for really, like, no reason. Like, mm-hmm. he didn't know her at all. Right. I mean, even when he approached her at the nursing home for the first time, I think he just, like, had caught sight of her and I guess thought she was beautiful and, like, sat down with her and just had lunch with her and she didn't talk to him for, like, a week. Mm-hmm. And he just kept sitting there and I'm like, what, what drew him to her? Because 
obviously he's built up this idea of her in his head. And I mean, that's Mm -hmm. what so much of the book is about, right? Is people having these ideas about Mary because she doesn't talk very much. Mm -hmm. And so they are able to put so much onto her, right? So like everyone is invested in her for reasons that are kind of outside of her control. Like Mm -hmm. I think, you know, obviously um, Cora loved her because of her kind of history with the case and how she felt really connected when she was studying it in law school. And Ted loves her because he thinks she's someone she isn't. And then, like, Miss Stein and everyone else, I think, hated her so much because of her, like, media fame mm-hmm. um, or infamy, I guess. Yeah. And that's a really interesting part of the story is, like, how much of that we put onto people mm-hmm. um, rather than, like, taking what they're, like, taking their actions seriously, yes. I guess. Right. Yeah. It made me kind of think about um, how a lot of people describe Ten but. Ted Bundy as being very like charismatic Mm. and they're like he didn't even have to talk he'd walk into a room and everybody was suddenly like kind of enamored with him Mm. and it made me wonder like does maybe Mary has that kind of um essence about her uh Miss Claire takes her under her wing and helps her a lot with SAT stuff oh yeah yeah, she was great there are a lot of people that seem to kind of gravitate towards her without ever getting to know her mm-hmm. or even having to talk to her for it. So I'm like, is that is that kind of just a an underlying character trait that she possibly had has? Yeah, or is it like a kindness from the the characters themselves that they can like um connect to someone even without them needing to say anything i don't know i was i was interested in that part of the story for sure Mm -hmm. well speaking of perceived or (laughs) what do you say preconceptions or how we think of people or how we see people uh mary and the new girl everyone yeah wow 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 everyone treated the new girl you know, like, they didn't want her around. That's fine. They they don't want anyone around, really, in that group home, right? But then Mary kind of befriended her, but still kept her distance. And then suddenly, the tables turn, and we find out that the new girl, who she's never given a name because... She heard Sarah. She? Oh, Sarah. Okay. I was like, wait a sec. <laughs> I just saw her. The new girl, her name is Sarah, and we find out that she did kill someone, and... Did she get away with it? Unclear. But that twist made sense to me. Yes. Because I was suspicious of New Girl all along. Mm -hmm. I mean, she was so, like, mousy and quiet. And everyone was like, oh, what could she have possibly done? It's like, well, obviously something to get her here. And, you know, the whole thing about, like, she... What was it? She, like, pushed her mom down the stairs and then, like, fed her dad peanuts, even though he's, like, deathly allergic. I'm like, that's not an accident. That's not something that you just pin on someone. Mm -hmm. That felt calculated, and I was suspicious of her from the get-go. Yeah, she's like, why isn't he calling me? Why isn't he picking me up? It was an accident. He hasn't answered any of my letters, my phone calls, like, all this stuff. And then freaking Mary being like, this girl's crazy. I'm like, okay, wait a sec. You know, (laughs) like... But I just thought it was so interesting that, like, you have two people in the same room for a while in the group home, because they were roommates at one point, um, Mm -hmm. who have a lot of similarities, and yet they both are, like, scared of each other kind of thing, you know? And I'm thinking, like, "Uh uh-oh, she's trouble, or "Uh uh-oh, I can't trust her, like, all this stuff. And it's like, okay, but you realize that you are the same 
<laughs> as her, you know? Like, yeah. Oh, it, yeah, that was quite the twist for me. I was like, oh, God, get out, get out, get out, get out of there. Like, <laughs> I really enjoyed the part where you find out that the new girl's mom died mm-hmm. and she's like laughing. And I yeah. say enjoy, not as in like, I was like, oh my God, <laughs> yay. But I, I, liked reading or like listening to that part the way that it was written was very enthralling yeah and i was like oh my god and i just wanted to know more and more and more and i was like how has she managed to really pin me with this thing that's lasted like three pages but i didn't feel like that about the whole rest of the book necessarily Mm -hmm. i enjoyed the rest of the book but i wasn't like hanging off my seat like I, I was with that part. I was like, oh my God, for real, this is crazy. She's like going kind of like, she's like having an episode and she's like mm-hmm. laughing and she's like, ha that bitch is dead. And I was like, oh my God. Yeah. I wonder if it's because, because I had a similar feeling and I wonder if it's because that scene with the new girl in the chair in the middle of the room with all the curtains closed is very cinematic. Mm. It's very like, you can picture exactly Twilight. what it is. okay weird choice Uh, no in new moon when it's like the season's passing and edward's gone (laughs) kristen stewart is sitting in the chair and it's like all the possibilities (laughs) (laughs) okay it's been at least 10 years since i've seen new moon but um sure that's relevant yeah that's exactly what i thought yeah But I wonder if that's why it wasn't as effective at the very end is because we're, we've been in Mary's head this whole time and we're still in Mary's head when she tells us that. Like if it had right. been like a scene where she was talking to someone about it, maybe that would have made it more um, effective. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it's like, why is she suddenly telling herself, yes, I did it? Right. Yeah, I get what you're putting down. Okay, yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, not that I didn't understand you before. I'm just like, yes, I agree with that. I agree, agree. Mm -hmm. Because I still liked the end. But yeah, I think you're right there. Yeah. I was also like kind of, I don't know if, I'm not miffed, but I was like a little like, ah, when it kind of led up so many times in the book to her telling what happened. And then it would just like, she'd be like, and so I told them. And then it would be like the next chapter. And then at the end, when she's like, yeah, my mom did it. And she shoved the rosary down her throat or whatever happened. And then at the very end, she goes, just kidding. I did it. And I was like, why did you make it such a fucking big deal then? Why didn't we learn at the beginning that, like, what the supposed story was? Mm. Yeah. I would have liked to know because Mm -hmm. I felt like it would have informed more of the stuff that happened later. And I think that it would have added to the story for me to know what her supposed story was rather than waiting until like the last third. Yeah, because for the first um, like, yeah, third or half of the book, I was pretty, pretty much I was like, oh, so the mom did it. Yeah. Okay, big whoop. But it wasn't really confirmed. And then when it was confirmed, I was like, okay, so the mom did it. And then at the very end, it was like, just kidding, it wasn't the mom. So yeah, I think that some of the, just the setup in in some of the timeline was like, didn't quite work for me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I've read books similar to this in terms of the kind of plot twist. Mm -hmm. And um, 
I mean, they were by more seasoned authors and authors that have written a lot of like horror, thriller, suspense books. So they have a lot of like practice with how to do these kind of like plot twists and reveals and everything like that. But I feel like the way that it happened, everything just kind of fell a little short. Like I could see what she was reaching for and it was almost there. But like, as I was going to like get to that point, it was like, I was like slipping and I was like, okay, no, not this time. (laughs) And then the next thing would happen. I'd be like, okay, no, not this time either. Okay. (laughs) Cause there was just something a little like lackluster about all of these um, reveals. Mm -hmm. They were on the going in the right direction, but she wasn't taking it as far as it should have gone. And I don't know if that's because they were marketing it towards um, like being a YA book. Maybe Maybe it could have been better served as an adult book. So she could have been a little bit more... um, graphic or whatever it might be yeah yeah to get to those places but that was something for me where I was just like because this is like a a genre that I really like Mm -hmm. I was looking for more and I was Mm -hmm. looking for those kinds of little tidbits that weren't weren't happening Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah and I I do think, like, this book, there were very few and far between, like, moments of happiness or hope, which, even though it was a short book, and I thought it was fast-paced for me to read, like, there was a big lack of comic relief or little moments of joy, you know, (laughs) which were really hard. I know that's, like, you know unfortunately very realistic for a lot of people who are in this situation but yeah it was just like wow because it's just like you're saying like oh maybe this oh no oh maybe this oh no you know not yet because you know it's like oh ted bought her the textbook how did he do that we don't know he probably had to steal it you know but he did a nice gesture for her and then the girls take it or her den mothers whatever you want to call them uh yeah they like rip it up yeah so yeah i know <sighs> she can't have even one nice thing no like mm-hmm. every little thing you know and then she's got to get a calculator oh no how am i gonna get a calculator oh i want to go to do this oh i don't have a license we go wait all day at the dmv or whatever it is she doesn't have the right paperwork to get it like all this stuff it's like oh my god you know Yeah, and that was one thing that I thought was a really powerful kind of demonstration of all Mm -hmm. the barricades in place for people in the system and people like racialized people, uneducated people to kind of Mm -hmm. get to the base level of like the documentation that you need to be a person. And there are just like so many roadblocks in the way to that. That was, I think, a really well executed um, kind of poignant point in the book yes and didn't she say something along the lines of like um her ms reba and was it miss miss stein and her Mm -hmm. caseworker mr winter i think like they all could have told her what she needed before going to the dmv and they didn't they let her go and wait all day only to hear a no you know like just complete bullshit honestly like (laughs) just yeah 
there's so many moments like that where you're just like, oh my God. And that's why we are so sympathetic to Mary. So that's why yeah. I'm like, even though she is a murderer, sociopath, I still have sympathy, you know, which is like, yikes, which to me means even though there's plot holes, I thought Tiffany, and I'm not saying you didn't think she did a good job, but I think she did a good job because I still feel sympathetic to Mary where normally I'd be like, how dare you, you know? (laughs) So, yeah, I don't know. I think I feel sympathetic to the situation, but Mm -hmm. I don't feel sympathetic for her. Yeah. Mm Because. Yeah. That's wow. fair. Yeah. <laughs> Can we talk about Mrs. Richardson? Yeah. Because, wow. Alyssa's mom. Yeah. Like, oh, my God. I was, yes. could not so believe tough. she came and she's like very nice and she's like, I'm going to kill your baby. Yeah. I was shook. <laughs> yeah. I was like, oh, well, my God. But didn't she say that as an example, though? Like, wasn't it kind of like, because... uh what's her face mary was asking her for something what's her face right what's her face yeah she was and mary was asking mrs richardson to like foster her child or something no this and then, was after she said that so the first time oh. she so mrs richardson goes to the home where mary is and they're talking and she's like i don't know why she's here mama told me she was gonna see me in baby jail and she never came and Mrs. Richardson looks at her stomach and she goes, you're carrying low. You're going to have, it's a boy. And then she says, I'm going to kill your baby. <laughs> I was like, well, oh, yeah. Fuck. But then when she sees her again at the apartment, they're suddenly like, okay together. And she's like, we're going to raise this baby together and like Mary says that, right? And she's like, "We're gonna be a happy little family because she in her head, yeah, because she's yeah. she's explaining, like, I just I wanted Mrs. Richardson to be my mom, and I wanted to show her that I could take care of Alyssa, and I was good because I broke this crystal rabbit, mm-hmm. and I wanted to show her that she could trust me. What's Mrs. Richardson's first name? Melissa." Yeah, Alyssa, oh. and her kid's name is Alyssa. Alyssa. Uh, that was confusing when I was listening to it during the like interview parts when it's like Melissa says this, and then detective Alyssa, blah blah blah, and I was like, what? What? <laughs> um, Choices. Yeah. <laughs> so, any authors out there, please don't name characters. Names oh my God, Eloana, <laughs> Iloana, whatever her friggin' name Ileana is. Yeah, and in, Eloana. In um, from a Crown of Yes. <laughs> I'm gonna. I love that series, but I just about lost it. I'm like, I don't know who you are. Who are you? Please announce yourself, okay? <laughs> yes, thank you. Who am I? Who am I? <laughs> Anyways, sorry. We are bringing like, the. I don't know what movie relief. that's from, but I know it's Eddie Murphy. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> there was like no comic relief in the book, and that's why we are here because. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, thank goodness we're here to bring you some much-needed laughs, dear listeners, because if you've read this book and you made it to this point, um, you're going through the same, yeah, you're going through the same shit we've been going through, so (laughs) I'm sure you need a couple of giggles here and there, and you're welcome. Yeah, Yeah. but anyway, I just, yeah, she was, like, saying in her head, I want Mrs. Richardson to be my mom, 
if she takes, if she adopts my baby, then I can um, get him back when I'm 18 and I can show her how good a mom I am and we'll be a happy family and all this stuff. And that's when I was really like, this girl's delusional. <laughs> it's like, yeah. this lady does not want you around. <laughs> no. Ever. Yeah. No, and it was so sad too when she visited her in her apartment and and everything was like dusty and and like not clean and you know, Mrs. Richardson was just like sitting in the same spot she always sits drinking. and just drinking and saying that her husband left because of like um they disagreed on whether Mary had did it had what was why did he leave? He because he disagreed about what should happen to Mary? Yeah, because he wanted yeah. her to go to prison. And right. Mrs. Richardson was like, well, I don't think she did it. And I don't want her, like, life to be ruined. One right. one child's life is gone, and I don't want another child's life to be gone. Right. Yeah, it was just so sad to see that, like, stark grief. Mm-hmm. And yeah. in my head, it had been like 20 years, but it had only been six years. That actually makes more sense now. For for some reason, I was like, oh, this happened 20 years ago. Yeah, <laughs> I think I, I was feeling that way too. I felt like very yeah. removed from the incident. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The crime, I guess. Um, Maybe because yeah. Mary felt so removed. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah, I mean, maybe, I, I just felt compelled to do, like, the John Cena, like, you can't see me. Oh, I was like, <laughs> I mean, they can't, because it's a podcast. <laughs> a weird day. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I mean, talking about this book is weird, too. Like, I feel, yeah. yeah. I was having so many feelings reading it, and most, I, I kept putting it down and being like, I don't want to pick it back up, because it's bumming me out. Oh, no. And, and that's okay. Like, I think there are, not every book has to make me feel happy, mm-hmm. but... It was, I was in like kind of a sad place anyway, and then just picking it up and reading about all these sad, too realistic things that happen in real life really was like really getting to me and having so little um, joy in the story. Like, like we were saying, like everything that happened that was nice got taken away immediately. And it was like so, um, like I felt so beat down reading it. Which I think is important and means that it was effective and that it was teaching me something. But I, I just, I don't know where that's, where I'm going with this, but it just, I felt it had to be said. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I almost feel like if there's no light at the end of the tunnel or like no little moment of joy or relief or whatever. I mean, again, I'm not in this situation, but no matter what, there's always even just a tiny moment of hope or joy because then what's the point? You know what I mean? Like, I'm sure if we spoke to people in prison, they could tell you, like, most of the time it's awful, but there's also some really good times and, like, moments where I laugh or moments where, you know, like, where I have a friend here or something, right? But in this book, it was like she was with Ted and that was her highlight. And then it just went to shit, you know, like it was like, cause even that got ruined in this book. It was just like, whew. Yeah. Yeah. At the end, I felt like with Ted that I almost felt like she didn't even really like want him to be around when he's like saying, when am I going to see you again? And she's like, well, I don't want to lie to him. So I tell him the truth. Like, I don't know when I'm going to see you again and stuff. But I, 
I just like got this feeling at the end that it was just like her and she wanted the baby and mm. she just wanted it to be her and the baby and she didn't care about anything else. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's not what was going on, but I just felt so bad for him because you can tell the whole time he just wants to do something right. Yeah. He's working the whole novel to be good to her and he protects her. You see on multiple occasions where he protects her. Mm-hmm. And I just felt so shitty for him. And I was like, poor Ted. Yeah. I love you. <laughs> I know. I feel so like... <sighs> So and we didn't even talk about this. She pours bleach into Mrs. Miss Stein's coffee. Yes. Yeah. Before she leaves, right? Yeah. How much? I was like, do you just Miss Stein. A splash. Why'd you just pick her? Do you think she like, did? There's like so many people. But in wait, this home that did suck. Did she like kill her, or was it like a double double, or was it like just a little splash? Like how much I bleach? Think, <laughs> how? I mean, I feel like bleach is toxic in in a very small dose. I don't know though. I don't know. Honestly, I might not have finished this book if it wasn't for the podcast. podcast. Just because of the place that I was Mm. (laughs) very different, but it was like my sister had just moved away and I was like already feeling emotional. And then I was reading this book and I was like, I'm so sad. Like, I just want to be reading something happy. And I'm like, I'm I'm glad I did finish it so that I can have, because I'm, I need to have the the whole picture before I feel I can judge something. Mm -hmm. Um, But it was so sad. Yeah. I was rooting. Like, okay, I felt sad at times, but I felt my overall experience was me feeling hopeful and rooting for Mary because I was like, something's got to give. She's going to be acquitted. She's going to be found innocent. Like, all this stuff. Like, please, please, please. And then the twist, right? I was like, oh, my God. And mad, but still enjoyed it. So I think even though I was sad at some points, my overall feelings were she's going to get through this because that's what this book is. We're going to get through it. We're going to, you know, and then I was like, nope. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I was expecting that too. I think purely because it's a YA book. I was like, mm-hmm. oh, well, obviously it's going to get wrapped up with a nice little bow at the end. Yeah, she'll score a perfect score in her SATs and she'll go to college and everything <laughs> will be fine. And I think I but still no. would have appreciated the twist ending more if all of that stuff had happened. Mm. I think that would have made it better because she, like, really succeeded. And then to find out at the end, like, she's, like, sitting in her dorm room and she's, like, writing her, like, notes. And then she just, like, thinks and she's, like, yeah, I killed that bitch. And it's, like, (laughs) like, I don't know. I think that would have just been a little little better, in my opinion. It would have hooked me more than her kind of, like, half getting away with it. And then being satisfied with herself for still being the yeah. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> How do you think younger readers have responded to this or will respond to this book? Because, like, it's quite heavy and dark for I would young not adults. want my kid to read this. I think if they were in high school, I'd be like, yeah, you can read if this. If they're in high school. Yeah. But, like... That's true. It's a lot. And, I mean, also, we have the privilege of not having to... When we were kids, we didn't get a talk about, hey, you're white. You know what I mean? And this is what this means. So, I feel like 
it might be different if you're black. Like, maybe you would be like, hey, do you want to read this book? I mean, do you want to read this book? I don't know. Like, or yes, you're allowed to read this book. However, let's talk about it. You know what I mean? Like, this is such oh my an intense book. What? That's yeah. like when the therapist was like, here, I really want you to read this book. I think there'll be a lot of things that you'll find <laughs> relatable in it. And it was pushed by Sapphire. <gasps> and Mary know. was like, are you kidding me? You think that's what my life is yes. like? Precious, that based was, on the novel Push by Sapphire. <laughs> but no, yeah, I totally yeah, forgot I mean, about that part. That was quite <laughs> cringy. Something. I mean, Miss Veronica in, in every scene was just ultimate cringe oh, factor. She was the um, worst the, substitute teacher. You know what I mean? She had no control over that room. She was not helping anyone. It was awful. <laughs> it was awful, yeah. And I think Mary said at one point, like, she she didn't really have to be a therapist for her job. Like, she was just doing it as a hobby because her <laughs> husband was rich or something. <gasps> And I was like, mm, makes sense. <laughs> Great. <laughs> yeah. Volunteer ther- therapist. Love it. Yeah. Um, back to your point about um, younger readers. I think if I had read this book as a kid, it would have taught me a lot. And I think that's really important. And I'm not a parent, so I guess I can't say like whether I would, you know, give mm-hmm. my kid this to read or anything. But I did come across a uh, summary of this book while I was kind of writing up the outline for this episode. And it was a summary by like on this website called like parents books to read or something. And it had all these like taglines um, or like ratings for like drug use, high, violence, high, like five, five out of five stars. And then uh, <laughs> five out of five. like... Yeah, like education, five out of five, and then like all these things. I was like, hmm, maybe this this uh, rating system would mean parents wouldn't want to give it to their kids. I don't mm. know. Yeah, but I guess if the education, like there were a lot of high level things. if the education right. was high though, then like I think but it, this but is like, a what book. was the message. Like you were saying, Nikki, like the message that you got at the end, you were like, I don't know if that's the message that I want to come away with. Mm. We'll see. That's so. the thing. I think this is a book that if. I also don't have children. Just going to put that out there. None of us do, for the record. But (laughs) if my kid, my hypothetical child, and they were like under 15, I would say, 14 or 15, like not not in high school, like just starting high school, said, I want to read this book, I think I would say, I'm going to read it too. And we'll mm. read it at the same time. Not, and talk about it. Yeah, and yeah. talk about what is happening in this. Because I don't think that it was educating on the right things. I think right. that the ending really negated a lot of the stuff that was happening in this book that would have put, been good education tools um, for younger audiences. So the I think... And I feel like this now, I think as I'm like getting older and I'm getting closer to the age where I feel like I want to have kids, we talked about in our episode of The Golden Compass, which is a middle grade book. um, And I said, I think if my kid reads this book, I would want to talk to them about it because it has a lot of stuff to do with religion and a negative view on specific religions. And I think that it's important when you're a parent or a guardian of somebody who's young Mm -hmm. to let them explore new things and like challenge themselves, but also be there to help guide them and make sure that they are getting the right things out of what they're consuming. 
Mm-hmm. Right. It would open up a dialogue. And yeah. I think that would be important. I just wouldn't want my kid to be bummed out, you know? Mm. But that's yeah. me being facetious for the moment. No. But I, I, I do take your point. I think it's it's well put, Nikki. Yeah. Thank yeah. you. My parents never did that with me. Like, there were movies I weren't, I wasn't allowed to watch or, like, TV shows I wasn't allowed to watch. But with books, I read whatever. Like, I read a lot Same. of books that... <laughs> Probably, maybe. I mean, none of them scarred me, but I definitely read some things that were, like, adult, contemporary, like, sex scenes and stuff, and I was like, what? Okay, like, just keep going, because I, like, did Um, not care at that age. It wasn't, like, super explicit, but, like, I think if my mom knew, she would have been like, oh, maybe wait a year or two, but, yeah. (laughs) Do we have anything else that we want to talk about before we get into our favorite parts slash quotes? I'm good. I'm good. I'm bummed. I'm sorry. No, don't be sorry. Because I listened to this as an audiobook, I don't have any parts highlighted as favorite parts, but I think the parts that stood out to me the most were the parts with Mrs. Richardson. I really felt like I empathized with her and I just felt so sad and I felt myself kind of tearing up sometimes listening to her talk or like the descriptions of the apartment and how Alyssa's room was exactly the same. And I wasn't surprised to see or hear or read that her and her husband split up after. That's something that happens to a lot of couples after they lose a child because Mm -hmm. the thing that was holding their relationship together is no longer there anymore. So it, it really just... Uh, it, it touched me. It made me very emotional to read those parts with her. Um, but yeah, I don't have anything highlighted. So, well, I have a quote that I thought was just really well written. I don't, I'm not, I don't like it. (laughs) Like, I'm not happy about it. Okay. Um, but I would just like to read it if that's okay. Okay. I just thought it was really well executed in, in, um, the, the emotions that it provoked in me. Okay. So it's from chapter six. Um, it's after Kelly and Tara steal Mary's $400. And uh, Mary describes her anger. And so the quote is, They turned a knob inside me. I hear the four clicks of the gas pop before the flame ignites. My heart is covered in peanut oil. I can smell it frying, burning to a crisp. My legs move like a robot's. I have no control over anything anymore. I'm gone. Someone else is here now. Mm-hmm. I thought that was just a really effective um, paragraph to show us exactly how Mary's mind and temper works. And that, I think that was one of the um, kind of many examples of just really strong writing, being able to convey emotion, uh, which I think Tiffany D. Jackson really excelled at. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Kelly. <sighs> Kelly. I don't know if I have a quote because I'm just looking at Goodreads. I don't have my book with me. <laughs> so we, so no, does someone okay. have it? Yeah. What kind of person <laughs> would take it from you? <laughs> it's okay. But it was buried. It was buried oh, no. in the box. It's okay. Well, I guess I'll share this quote because I just think it's very... It explains a lot, I think, of Mary in the book. So... The quote is, you ever smell a newborn? It's so different, just new. 
They're like these tiny, brand new humans that don't know who you are or what you've done or anything, but they love you anyways. So I just think like, hmm... You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's so knowing what sad. we know. It just yeah. like, makes me feel gross. This yeah. whole book makes me feel like, blech. right? Icky. Yeah, I need yeah. some more of that that uh, Christmas rum punch. <laughs> need, yeah. to, need to get in a better spirit. My God, there was yeah, there was so much in this book, but I really did enjoy it and it made me excited to read more of her because mm-hmm. like for her first book, like I'm not mad, you know, I mean, I am yeah, mad, I think it's but I'm only not going to get better. <laughs> yeah. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the BYOB podcast. If you enjoyed this and want to hear more from us, you can head over to our social media accounts to keep up to date on all things BYOB. We've got Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, the works. Stay tuned after this to hear the first line of our next read, Rebecca by Daphne du Maurier, a gothic literary classic, which I'm sure needs no introduction. See you next time. And until then, keep on drinking in great stories. Cheers. Next time on BYOB, the Bring Your Own Book podcast. Last night, I dreamt I went to Manderley again. <laughs>